do you get weepy at the end of Die Hard? Relax. All right, don't try to strike everybody out. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascists. Throw some ground balls. It's more democratic. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Style Guide. I'm your host, Dave Morris, and with me, as always, is Stephen Ray Orr. How are you today, Steve-O? I'm ready, Coach. Put me in. Excellent. You ready, you ready to talk uh, you ready to talk about style and genre with me? And more specifically, the style and genre of sports movies. Sports movies. Boy, am I ever. Yeah, I love sports movies. They're, they're maybe the best genre. <laughs> the best genre ever the best sports period movies. yeah is it even a genre that's what a lot of our listeners are probably asking themselves is sports movie really a genre i don't know i, I, I you, you mentioned this to me when we were discussing this idea or you you brought up the idea of like what does it take to be a sports movie if there's sports in it is that a sports movie now that's a pretty broad category <laughs> Yeah, how central does sports have to be for it to become a sports movie? Yeah, yeah, and I say if it's about athletes, it's a sports movie, or about people who manage or uh, or coach athletes. See, see, careful there, because you wanted to say Moneyball's a sports movie, but you almost talked yourself out of it. I know, I know, and Jerry Maguire. <laughs> Show me the money, Dave. Show me the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. Yeah, but, but characters need to be involved in sports. <laughs> That's in nice. some sort of sport, in some sort of capacity. Some way involved in sports. Uh, so doesn't that's, even have to that's be everything from step up to <laughs> yeah. goon to dodgeball. Uh-huh. Yeah, dodgeball's a sports movie. Totally. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and you know, and so the question I had first, first up, first question that hit me when it was like sports movies is, are they sports movies or are they underdog sports movies? Because uh, when I watch a sports movie, I, I'm going to say there's there's kind of the kind that are just about sports. But even those, usually the team that we're rooting for or following along is the underdog. It's very, I, I can't think of a single instance where we follow the winning team. <laughs> like the, the, the previous gold medal winners and follow them to another gold medal. Uh, it's always we follow the previous bronze or previous last place winner all the way to a gold medal. So obviously you're ignoring D2. D2, the Mighty Ducks? Yeah, D2, the Mighty Ducks, the Duckening. Yeah, well, it is a sequel, so it is, of course, the same but different. So they had to, at the beginning of D2, the Mighty Ducks, show that they haven't been practicing in the offseason. Remember, that's a very right. important factor. And that they actually are not the best. Because Iceland is way better than them. Well, and and I think I think you're right. Um, I think about something like the movie Rudy, which is a sports movie in that it is about Notre Dame and and sports, but it's really following the underdog character of Rudy. Yeah, and his and his like entering into the world of of sports. Exactly, exactly. So it's not so much about the team itself, but the underdog quality is a is an integral part of it. Yeah, and and is it is it uh, and that's the question. Is it actually an uh, an important part of it? Can you think of any instance of a sports movie where they aren't the underdog? Any instance where they aren't an underdog? I mean, the only one that comes to my mind right off the bat is uh is the the 1992 classic White Men Can't Jump. Because in that <laughs> neither of them are underdogs. They're both fantastic basketball players. And then in the end, they enter a tournament to make money uh, while his to pay off a mobster while Woody, Woody, uh, Woody's wife is on Jeopardy or something. It's very the amount that you remember about that movie is incredible. I know. And I didn't even watch it in preparation. That's how well I remember that movie. But in it, they're both like street hustler basketball players. So the question is, is that an underdog sports movie? Is it even a sports movie? It's about beach basketball. <laughs> and hustling it's a hustling movie well, be beach basketball is a sport yeah and there are sports in it and they do eventually play in a sports tournament uh but do, do they do they win yeah uh oh, okay but you know i think uh this is uh, the this is the does it just have to have sports in it to be considered a sports movie or does it need to follow the sport well, I mean, I think of the movie Ali, starring Will Smith, mm -hmm. which is about Muhammad Ali, who is a fantastic boxer. And it's, that's not so much a movie about him being an underdog, because he's, he's not. He's, he's Muhammad Ali. Yeah, he's the opposite like, of underdogs. <laughs> yeah. 
but the sports in that movie are more the backdrop for the character drama or the biopic that is the movie. So is that a sports movie? Yes, in the sense that there are sports, but is it the same sort of sports movie as we see out of any given Sunday, Remember the Titans or The Sandlot? Yeah, or, or even a, a comparison like Rocky, which is another movie about a boxer, whereas Rocky is clearly about boxing and about this one man boxing and his, his climb to be a boxer, whereas right. Ali is about Muhammad Ali and his life. And he yeah. happened to be a boxer. So, yeah, is is Rocky a sports movie? I would say yes. Is Ali a sports movie? Uh, it's a biopic that has sports in it. So there's sports involved, but it's not what we mean when we say sports movie. Yeah, similarly, I think uh, Clint Eastwood's Million Dollar Baby. Did you see that? I did not see Million Dollar Baby. Okay, it's, uh, it, it's a similar sort of uh, story about... Uh, a woman who who becomes a boxer, and Clint Eastwood plays Clint Eastwood as an old man. So, you know, he... <laughs> I hope he just is Clint Eastwood in the movie. <laughs> Where she's like, listen, Clint, I need your help. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's more about her her character's journey through her life than it is entirely about the, the sports aspect of it. So I think if we're going to talk about a sports movie... Not only do does there have to be sports, but I think the sport aspect of it has to be front and central. It has to it has to be an integral part of the plot, as opposed to the something the character goes through, but isn't their their character's journey. Yeah, and you know, I would almost describe it as saying that in a true sports movie, in the way we're talking, the sport has to be one of the characters. Essentially, an essential integral character to the plot, uh, where the character's interaction with the sport helps uh, inspire their character changes and arcs and stuff like that. So maybe character's not the right word for it, but I think you know what I mean when I say that, that the, the sport needs to be an integral part of the story and the plot and the character change and the growth and the arcs and all of that. Hmm. What do you think? You don't like the word character there? No, no, no. I, I think I'm okay with the word character there. I'm just, it still makes me think about Ali and whether or not that is the case. Hmm. And I, I, I would, I would argue that in a movie like Ali, that is, I think, something that is, it is one of many characters, uh, in, in that kind of journey. Mm -hmm. Whereas, in what I'm thinking of as a more traditional character, this this sport character, football in Remember the Titans, for example, it is it is a core character. Yeah, if that makes sense, it's the main character. Well, that, that that's where we get into an interesting question mm. because Moneyball is fantastic movie. By yeah, way. fantastic. Oh my god, I watched it twice in preparation because it was I had so much fun watching it. <laughs> It's, it's so much fun. Spreadsheets the movie. Yeah, essentially, it's a sports movie where we, where we don't watch sports, <laughs> except yeah. for on like VHS tapes. In, it's so funny. And and what I particularly love about it is it's a movie about the struggles of millionaires against millionaires with more money. Like yeah, exactly. So they they have to do a lot of work to get the average Joe to buy into it, but you do. Yeah. Well, you know, okay, so so before we get into to because I, I would I would love to talk a lot about Moneyball because it was it's such an interesting sports movie. I think this idea that the sport needs to be an integral part of the movie is it's pretty clear to both of us. And I think we both know what we mean. That the sport can't like you can't just take out the sport and still have the story make sense. Whereas in something like Ali, you could probably take out boxing and still tell the story of Ali's life. Could you? Maybe you couldn't. It's a bad example. Not, that's not the right way to put it. Well, and it's harder when it's a, a biopic and the, the character is so rooted in that thing that they do. Yeah, so I guess it's more like the, the story itself needs to uh, be about the main character's journey through the sport. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that that's a good way to say it. Like Mortal Kombat is a sports movie. Yeah, yes, <laughs> fantasy sport. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. But it, but it, it's an important uh, journey for through of Johnny Cage through the Mortal Kombat tournament. Yes, uh, and then this is the other thing is that I, uh, when I when I'm looking at sports movies, uh, 
they tend to follow an outsider into the sport or a new person into the sport or a new player that's just joined the sport uh, that gives us this outsider perspective on and introduces us to the world of the sports in a lot of the sport movies that I was watching, uh, which is where it gets interesting when we look at something like Jerry Maguire or Moneyball because they aren't outsiders going in. It's coming from a very different perspective. No, but at the same time, they do have that component. For example, Jonah Hill in Moneyball is... He's not an outsider to the sport, but he's an outsider to their team. Yeah, their team, and so he he learns what's going on there. Similarly to something like Varsity Blues, with uh, oh, what's his name, Dawson from Dawson's Creek. Yeah, Dawson. We can just call him Dawson. Yeah, good old Dawson. Uh, it's he's the second string quarterback, so he's not a newbie to the sport, but he never gets to play. But he's the main character, and we follow his journey and his rise to being a first-string quarterback, which achieves the same sort of outsider Yeah, that's true. And also Jerry Maguire has uh, Renee, what's her name? Uh, is it Renee Zellweger? Zellweger. Yeah, she's Zell, not Russo. Not yeah. Russo. Uh, she, she is the sort of new character that enters into that world of, uh, of agency. <laughs> I'm going to call that. That's what I'm going to call it. The new world of agency yeah, yeah. And I mean, part of this is just good storytelling. Have an outsider so that you can explain things to your audience without explaining things directly to your audience. But in sports movies, we see that sort of character play a, a vital role, often being the main character or very close to the main character. Yeah. And I think uh, we, we briefly spoke about this off off the podcast, but uh, the story type, right, uh, going by like if we look at Blake Snyder's Beat Sheet um, and Save the Cat, uh, which I think we're both pretty fond of. Yeah. The What type of story is it? Is it a standard Golden Fleece story where they're just trying to get to that winning the tournament and the story is really about their journey along the way and it's not actually about the tournament? Uh, I would say most of them are. But I think because we have this outsider aspect uh, that is the best way to tell the story, to introduce you to an entire team, right? You're going to need an outsider so you can say, hey, here's the team. Let me introduce you to everybody. That it looks as though it could be an institutionalized because you have this sort of outsider character joining an institution. But the story tends to still be about the trying to win the tournament and not about this character's interaction with that institution. And whether or not they want to join the institution, which I think is the main crux of an institutionalized movie. So are they golden fleeces? Are they institutionalized? They could be both, and they kind of walk that line a lot. Yeah, I think that's right. So so one of the things about Blake Snyder's golden fleece, uh, I, I find, is that an important part of a golden fleece story is the, the way that the character grows through the narrative. Mm -hmm. And part... Part, part of that has to do with building blocks, but part of that has to do with by the end of the film, the character is not the same as they were at the beginning. Yeah. They've gone through some fundamental change through their experience, in this case, of the sport. Yeah, and in most sports movies, that holds up pretty well, right? Like, it, it holds up pretty good for things like uh, like the Mighty Ducks or the Karate Kid or the Sandlot, you know? Like, it holds up pretty good in most sports movies. And Happy, Happy Gilmore even, you know, like... Like, the interaction with the sport changes Happy Gilmore to learn to control his anger. You know, like, like you see that mo more or less that holds up for a lot of sports movies. Yeah. But it doesn't when you get to things like Moneyball. Right. Because Moneyball's a good example of a character who Brad Pitt's character, Billy Bean, doesn't grow in the movie. And he doesn't even really seem to experience any fundamental shift in, in who he is. He... He changes his approach a little bit, but even then you get the sense early on in the movie that he's got some sort of idea about how to approach the sport of baseball, and it's different than everyone else's approach. So it's not even when he gets introduced to this sort of analytics spreadsheet style of baseball, it's not that much of a revelation for his character, and that happens almost immediately in the movie anyway. Yeah, and the rest of the movie is him fighting everyone trying to get that to happen. Yeah, and so it, it, it's harder to say what the Golden Fleece story is in there. Because mm -hmm. the Golden Fleece, I mean, if we looked at it like a Golden Fleece story, we'd say, okay, the end goal, the road is the season, right? 
the baseball season. Yep. And the end is to win the last game of the season. Like that's the goal. Because if you don't win the last game, nobody cares. And that is it. Yeah. But along that path, does he really go through any changes or growth? Not really. And is it about the friends he makes along the way? Not really. Like his relationship with Jonah Hill isn't like a strong relationship. It doesn't like get better. It just sort of stays exactly as it was at the beginning. Uh, and then his relationship with the daughter, which is sort of, the, I guess, your beeline, is sort of exploring like, I'm in the middle, dad. You know, you're a loser, dad. Just enjoy the show, I guess, would be the, the theme. Like, <laughs> I think if you want to call Moneyball a golden fleece, you have to say that the main character is Jonah Hill. Sure, but does he even go through any change by the end? Well, I mean, he 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 starts with this analytic approach and he's the one who experiences the doubt halfway through the season no no you can't get rid of pena because if you do that and you're wrong we're you yeah, know you're going to get fired and and he learns how to be an assistant general manager so there there is some degree of growth there it's not a lot yeah but it is it definitely falls into institutionalized a lot though too where you think of it like it is about a person in an institution the difference is he doesn't join, he doesn't like, he's not new and he's not an outsider. He lives baseball. Both of all of our characters, our main characters all live baseball. So it's not like they are making a decision whether or not to become part of this institution, you know, like, uh, or bad, like, but it is them battling against the institution. Yeah. And they live baseball, but they live a different version of baseball. So the they thing. are outsiders in the world of baseball. Yeah. So it is. So, it is an incredibly and like I guess the main crux of the the theme, the real theme that he is struggling with the whole film, is it's hard not to be romantic about baseball. Yeah, and that even though they're trying this analytic style spreadsheet, when you watch a guy fall on his way to second base and freak out and re and to and not realize he hit a home run, it's hard to not get emotional when you watch that kind of play. Yeah, and think of it as like this beautiful romantic sport. So like. It is kind of about the institution and his struggles with analytics versus the romance of it. Well, and even even when he's considering the the twelve million dollar from the Red Sox, there's that moment where is he gonna buy into the the financial aspect of the sport, the the big dollars uh, and big talent, or is he going to stick to his core? You know, I believe that a scrappy, cheap underdog team can make it style and i mean it so so i think institutionalized fits better mostly just because the characters don't even remotely change they don't change at all <laughs> as opposed to the mighty ducks where emilio estevez goes through huge amounts of character growth and so, so does charlie change. so does charlie so does charlie's mom well, not really. <laughs> but uh, I have to say that's one of the things that drove me crazy watching Mighty Ducks and D2 back to back is how immediately they drop the subplot from the first movie of his uh, <laughs> his romance with the mom. It's true. The second movie, she's not even mentioned, like just done. She, she, she is mentioned. You know, they, what they say is Charlie's been taking it really hard since his mom got remarried, which there's two things wrong with that. One it seems like only a year has passed since the events of the last movie. Yep. And part of that year, she was in a relationship with Coach Bombay. We don't know that. They may have just kissed. <laughs> well, no, but they make it clear he's going to phone her <laughs> once he gets to Minnesota or wherever he's but going. But he's, he's, he's gone to the pros, man. He's not going to date her. Come on. He's, I he's know. Going, I'm he's, just he's saying dating. that's a very... <laughs> he just very fast just moving relationship looks good when they kiss on the ice <laughs> yeah no but that's fine what i'm saying is either she had a side man during that that we never see or the relationship that she experiences in that one year between the movies is very quick very quick super intense man she's a very yeah. passionate person <laughs> well and i guess that's why charlie's taking it so hard right he, this man he doesn't know it's just i don't understand in. why he's taking it hard because the whole first movie it seems like all he wants is to get his mom married like that's all his main goal is is to find his mom a husband but he did he found coach bombay but he moved to the pros man but okay. it was only anyway. okay. We don't need to discuss the relationship. Uh, another classic Golden Fleece, though, is Major League, which is one of my favorite sports movies. Um, with uh, with Charlie Sheen, the former great actor. Former great? <laughs> I don't know. Two and a half men, man. That's <laughs> okay. Uh, but Major League is like a clear Golden Fleece. Yeah. Where 
they are like, you know, the underdog team. They're not supposed to win. The management wants them to lose and they still end up winning uh, because they're such a good team, you know? So like classic, classic sports movie in my mind and hits all the beats perfectly of what you need in a sports movie. It has the, the old, uh, the old kind of world worn coach. Yeah. The old, the old catcher who's like the leader of the team, uh, the, you know, the, all the different characters on the team, of course, but but it has like the beat. It has the beat where it introduces all the different characters, you know, and the tryouts, and you meet all their different weird things, and you watch as they slowly grow together to become a team throughout the course of the season. They learn to accept each other, you know, they, etc., uh, etc. Et uh, so it has all those classic sports movies beats, and as the they win in the end, and it's all just yay, so great. Same with Mighty Ducks, yeah. Yeah, and I, the the thing that I love about those those movies in particular, Major League, Mighty Ducks, and I think a lot of this is the sports comedy genre. I really enjoyed the rounding up the band of misfits. Yeah, I uh, that's totally my one of my favorite beats. <laughs> Meet the team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it it allows you to just have so much fun with weird and quirky characters, and. Rewatching Major League, you you start to feel uncomfortable with with kind of the racism of the time period. Yes, definitely. But but at the at the same time, you get you get these fun fun explorations of characters that you don't get to see in uh, a lot of movies because most of those characters would just exist in the background in a traditional movie and often do right like um, remember the Titans and Friday Night Lights or any given Sunday. Most of the team, they just exist in the locker room. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're never going to see them elsewhere. And so with the sports comedy genre, you get to explore wacky and weird characters. So are you, telling me that, the movie. are you telling me that when you watched The Mighty Ducks, you were comfortable with the racism of the time? <laughs> uh, no, I, I wasn't. Because it I definitely was... wasn't in a 1992 film <laughs> ready uh, for Disney uh, to drop uh, the comment about the Oreo line. Did you hear that line? Yeah, I did. And I did. it made my jaw drop. I was like, what? This is a Disney movie from the 90s. And I, I, it just reminded me of how uh, how terrible the 90s were and how we're still not there yet. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. well, mm-hmm, yeah, that's, uh, that's the world we live in. In the Mighty Ducks, when Coach Bombay first meets the team, he drives onto the ice in a limo and pretends to be a drug dealer who's going to shoot them. Yeah, I know. It's pretty great. Disney, That's man. messed up. Disney, man. Disney. <laughs> okay, we're getting into the weeds here. Let's bring it back. Let's pull it back in. Bring it, bring, bring it back. Bring it back. Pitch Perfect. Uh, pitch Perfect. Yeah, let's get to Pitch Perfect because that is, uh, that is, to me, one of the funniest kind of sports movies because it's not about sports, but it is a sports movie. Because it follows the exact same beat structure as every sports movie we've been talking about, or all like the the teen sports movies, and yet is about singing, acapella singing to be precise. And you finally watched it because you had not seen it. I had not seen it. I had I had held off because I I thought it was going to be stupid. Mm -hmm. And and I have to say, is Glee this clever? Because if it's this clever, I will go watch Glee. I have no idea. Uh, I've never watched Glee. I don't think it's as clever. Okay, because this movie was fantastic. Oh, I'm so glad you thought it was fantastic. Because I did too, and I I was shocked as shocked as you are. I think that it was actually fantastic. I I expected it to be just a cheesy movie about people singing, which I like. You know, I like Sister Act too. I like Sister Act. Um, I would I would have enjoyed it, but it turned out to be uh, clever. Very clever, like cl clever in a way that I would not looking at all the advertising for it, looking at the cast, looking at the people who like that movie. I would not have expected it to be that clever, which is not to say that people who like Pitch Perfect aren't clever. <laughs> True, but <yeah. laughs> but I, I had made a snap judgment about this movie and was so happy to be proven wrong. Yeah. And, you know, to me, uh, it has it has speaking of like the meet the team. One of the best Meet the Team uh, montages in the history of Meet the Team montages mm -hmm. with the, the singing montage where they're all singing different parts of the song and they do like that acapella version of uh, whatever that person's like, Kelly Clarkson, uh, Since You've Been Gone uh, at the beginning. And it's like, here we go. Meet all of your characters. And it's fantastic because <laughs> you get like the idea that, oh, OK, so she's like the 
the girl that looks like a dude, she's the sexy one. There that she's like too peppy, she's too quiet. Like you meet all of the different characters and their problems in that little montage. And then when they're on the team, we already kind of know who they are. Yeah, yeah. It it cuts through uh something that would take probably, you know, 20 minutes in a in a traditional movie. It cuts through all of that in the period of a 4-minute song. Yeah. And beautifully. It's it's such a uh, an unlikely group and I like a character like Fat Amy. Yeah. Which again, the kind of character that I think is is so often poorly done was hilarious and the the quiet gill girl Mm -hmm. like just so funny man uh yeah and like it and it hits every sports movie trope just without sports with art instead of sports uh like it has the uh like like and this is a trope i was noticing too is a lot of them this isn't all of them of course uh but uh they follow either the outsider or the the sort of new new coach or leader or team leader of the sport team. Right. And that the coaching of the sport or leading the team is one of the better, like the, the bigger parts of the story. You know, the playing of the sport and just being a player on the team, not that important as the person who's in charge and what they have to deal with as the leader of the team. Like we follow the catcher in Major League. We follow uh, the DJ girl in Pitch Perfect because she is an outsider and ends up being the team leader. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and and I think you're right. In a, in a, the the main character, I think is probably actually more often the coach. Yeah, or or team leader because it's not necessarily. Always yeah, a coach. yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, not always a coach, but but I think I think in a lot of these these movies, which again surprised me because I I thought sports movies the coach was kind of this outside mystical figure, but it's not. Often the coach is a very flawed human and often main character yeah and if not main main character then uh integral character yeah like like mr miyagi and the karate kid you know like the coach is as important as the karate kid yeah and in varsity blues he's actually the uh primary antagonist Mm -hmm. yeah so they they make sure the the coaches and leaders are are uh, important parts of the film and that is like in pitch perfect where she we follow the the leader of the team or the new leader of yeah yeah, and then it, it has like the road of going through all to all the different competitions and having like you know, it goes okay at first, and then they fail halfway through, and then they give up, and then they come back and win. You know, like and all, yeah, like the perfect kind of followed the perfect uh, story there. Well, and and they even directly say in the movie what's going to happen, right? Like there's that meta moment where he's he's talking with the main character DJ, and he's he's. He's talking about how you know endings are the best part, where where everything goes right, and the and the hero, uh, the hero and the love interest meet up, and you know it's just wonderful, and it's this this meta moment where I'm sitting there going, are you guys just going to subvert that for fun? And then at the end they don't. No, of they course not. Play it, they play it straight <laughs> because that's the best part. I told you endings are the best part. Shut up, nerd. Ah, <sighs> oh, such a good movie. You're such a nerd. You're such a nerd. Uh, so this is uh, speaking of endings of sports movies. The ending of sports movies always makes me cry. Always. And if not cry, like maybe not like boo-hoo, oh, I'm weeping. But it it always hits me right in the heart and gets me like, oh, and like teared up at the end of every single sports movie I've ever watched, including Moneyball. Oh, that's great. Every single one I get to the end and I'm like, oh, it chokes me up because it's like, they made it. <laughs> you know, like... I'm proud of you, Becca. All these, every time, every time at the end of a sports movie, I'm so full of emotion and happiness or sadness or love or whatever, you know, that it just gets me. And yes, even at the end of The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> See, I know, it, I know it sounds like I'm laughing at you, but I'm laughing with you because this is often my experience with, with these sorts of movies. Like Friday Night Lights is a great example, both the movie and the television show, by the way. Which I haven't seen yet, the television show. The television show, I mean, I, I really enjoy it. I don't know if I recommend it to, to, to human beings. 
because I have such an emotional experience with that show okay. where <laughs> I'm just constantly going through this sort of, oh, no, this is also terrible and sad and they've grown, but it just it hurts. <laughs> or, yay, they finally achieved it and they're they're growing as human beings. And and the way that the, the movie and the TV show really pulls at me, <laughs> I I get where you're coming from. Yeah. And, you know, like who can't feel sad at the end of Cruel Runnings? When they are walking their bobsled. <laughs> like, who can't go, oh, they lost, but look, everyone's still so supportive of the Jamaican bobsled team. Like, who can't get emotional watching that ending? Like, if you can't, something is wrong with you. See, and I, I think the test of this, you and I have to go watch The Blind Side with Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> I'm saying if we want to test, if we, we end up messes at the end of every sports movie, that's going to be the one that tests us. Uh, it'll hit me. I, I guarantee yeah. it. I guarantee it. It will, it will totally hit me. Like, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. How can you not get emotional at the end of a sports movie? Uh, like, it's just, even Jerry Maguire, man. Like, they're, they, and, and it, is it the underdog aspect of it that makes the ending so emotionally powerful? The fact that they were so downtrodden and we watched them fight their way to the top against all odds and they did the impossible that makes us just go, yes, and get so, so emotional. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it is because, you know, you don't, you don't see that same sort of experience coming uh, from, from us when we watch something like Die Hard. Like I don't, I don't at the end of Die Hard get get weepy at the fact that John McCain was an underdog throughout all of it. I think you maybe put bad example. Do do you get weepy at the end of Die Hard? Maybe. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So maybe I picked a bad. Maybe it is the underdog stuff. <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe I do get emotional at the end of a Die Hard when uh, he sees the the other cop at the end when they when they finally see each other face to face and they laugh. Maybe that gets me every single time. <laughs> okay, okay, maybe I picked a terrible example, but for me, this phenomenon really happens in sports movies. Yeah, and is it is it because they win or lose? I mean, sometimes they lose at the end, and that is equally as emotional as when they win at the end. Sometimes more so like and and, you know, be part of part of a loss ending feels cheap because they do it for the emotional punch is what my brain is telling me. Mm. But it still gets me mm -hmm. like Rocky, of course, Rocky classic, uh, maybe most famous sports movie that ends with a loss. Uh, people think it ends with a win, but it definitely doesn't. It ends with him losing and yelling Adrian really loud a whole bunch of times. Friday Night Lights yeah. ends with a loss. Yeah. Uh, Coach Carter ends with a loss. Does it? It ends with a loss. Yeah. And, but but this is the thing. In in movies that ends with a loss, it often ends with a win before it ends with a loss. And so you you forget that they've they lost in the end, but Yeah, like or, like cool runnings, they they lose at the end. Yeah. Uh Moneyball, he loses at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Some sometimes the they win at the end and then the loss happens off screen, which is even weirder, right? Like any given Sunday, they win their division and then they lose the conference, but the conference we don't see. Because they're like, whatever. That's they lose. But, no like, one. but that's that's the insane thing, right? Like the end of any given Sunday, you have Al Pacino giving that inch by inch speech that oh, is so good speech. That it's a, yeah, it's a great speech, and it it empowers them to go out and win this game, and then lose the next one afterwards off screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and and it's it's this kick to the gut that they they don't want to show you. I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that that weird twist in in the sports movie, and and that I think that happens. Does that happen a lot? Where they lose off screen? I don't think so. I think most of them it's it's either on screen or off screen. Uh, on screen they win, or off on screen they lose. Like they they show you the whole thing. Yeah, in most yeah, maybe of you're right. Actually, no, sports movie. I just remembered existed as a, that tech that is totally a sports movie. What's that? Uh, a Knight's Tale. Whoa, because oh, jousting. Because the sport is jousting, and it follows the totally follows the sports movie uh, model of you know working your way through tournaments to win, uh, and uh, shows all the ways on the way. Makes a team, you know, gets the English guy, gets the blacksmith to join his team, you know, and like. It follows the whole sports movie uh, mentality. And same with Kickboxer. It was Jean-Claude Van Damme. 
Whoa. <laughs> That's another sports movie. Uh, there's a lot of, I think there's lots of sports movies we forget about that don't, that follow the sports movie model that aren't, are, I guess, like, uh, are not your mainstream sports like hockey, baseball, or football. Well, and that was one of the things that we we tried to hit in preparation for this. One of the things that I was saying is let's make sure we see, you know, a football, a baseball, and a hockey one. Yeah. And I, I have no idea why I said that. Like, it's not as if it matters to us what movies we watch. Yeah, but kind of, kind of does. It should. We should. We should get a nice, good grasp of it all. You know, there's lots of like, like uh, what's like lots of racing movies, like car racing movies or uh, um, other kinds of just like ice skating. Remember the Cutting Edge? I don't know if you ever the saw cutting. the Cutting Edge. It's a yeah. figure skating ass movie about two figure skaters. Uh, but sports movie, it's fantastic. Well, and, and Blades of Glory, sports movie, yeah. right there. Mm-hmm. While we're talking about competitive figure skating, so yeah. So I guess it, what's what's the value sports movies offer to our culture? One of the questions I think that that this ties into is is the relationship that we as a society have to sports in general, like. I I find, and and part of this is what I'm looking for in movies, but but I I find in a lot of sports movies there's there's a very American sensibility to it, mm-hmm. like like it's you know baseball is the all American sport or football is the all American sport and and it's like it it's it's the religion in this town like Friday Night Lights has that Remember the Titans has that yeah. almost all football movies have this football is a religion in our town yeah that's what it's it's almost like the theme of football movies has to be that (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. and and coach carter uh no is it coach no 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 sorry it's the mighty ducks where one of the parents pulls his his kid out after after a game saying uh, what did he say he said uh I I I I lo- gave up on overtime for this, you know, after the coach had them diving and that sort of stuff. Yeah, he said I didn't I didn't want to watch I didn't come to watch my kid take dives. Yeah, yeah that's what he says. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and so there's so- something about it that ties sports into this this um, American mentality. I don't know if that's that's a fair way to say it, but no, I think uh, and you know I think um, American mentality is is. Uh, what you're really describing when you talk about that in sports is patriotism or or tribalism or uh, uh, where it's like you've thrown in with your tribe and these are your people. Uh, and so it's about supporting each other no matter what. It is about loving your team no matter what. Uh, similar to, you know, loving your country and all that sort of stuff. And, and uh, you see that in sports movies where they become like uh, in team sports movies, especially because some sports movies are not teams. They're an individual like Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore, Bloodsport, Kickboxer. It's following one person through, uh, through their journey of the sport. Rocky, you know, uh, well, maybe Rocky. He's got more of a team, but um, <clears throat> but so with that team mentality, it is about teamwork and team play and uh, and being a team no matter what through thick and thin. Like in Moneyball, he gets offered to go to the Boston Red Sox and he doesn't take it. Yeah, because he's an Oakland A. Right, and that's that's who he is. Uh, and like the Mighty Ducks, we are ducks. Watch us fly. You know, um, like it's it's about being a duck from District Five. See, but that that's what makes something like well, Moneyball and and Mighty Ducks both have good examples where they bring an outsider in and make them a duck, or they make them an Oakland A. Mm-hmm. Right, because um, the best kid on the team in the Mighty Ducks, he's a hawk. He's a hawk. The, He's a hawk for the first two thirds of that movie, and and they bring him into the fold, and he becomes a duck. And so there's there's something about it that that there's there's a weird relationship of patriotism where the outsiders are bad until we let them in. Yeah, and once you're in, you have to join our tribe. Yeah, once you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. Exactly, and it is a lot about. Uh, uh, tribalism and patronism. Pa- patronism? <laughs> That's not the word. <laughs> Patriotism and becoming uh, part of the team. And so, like, yeah, I think uh, I think that taps into a part of of I guess especially North American culture <clears throat> that we we hold really dear to ourselves. Yeah, that that's an interesting question that I don't have an answer to. Is how prevalent sports movies are outside of North America? I mean. I think about soccer, for example. Soccer doesn't get a ton of play in North American sports movies. Bend it like Beckham being an exception, and I don't, I don't even know if that's a North American sports movie. But, 
but we don't see a lot of soccer sports movies despite its its huge prominence in in Europe, right? Yeah, we don't. No, I, I can't think of a single. I mean, the only one I can think of is maybe uh, Airbud Two. <laughs> I think it's the one where he plays soccer. Is it the one where he plays soccer? Uh, I I can I can proudly say I have absolutely no idea which of the Airbuds he plays soccer. In. Well, I mean, I know the first one is about him playing basketball because it's air right. bud air bud yeah and the second one i thought was about him playing soccer that might be the only soccer sports movie i can think of in at least that yeah that i can think of that uh, was ever made in north america well um, they had that nelson mandela movie recently but that was more of a biopic about nelson mandela <laughs> yeah, kind of probably <laughs> well no it, it, it was it was weird because it i i think it 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 had this strange story of soccer and Nelson Mandela. I didn't see it. I shouldn't talk about it. Yeah, let's not talk about it. <laughs> but but that's 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 my question: is do we see do we see these kinds of movies being made elsewhere? And my guess would be no, because I I think that they they tie into a very Western sensibility about patriotism. I think that's a good way of putting it. Or or tribalism, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and I think. Uh... In other parts of the world, they do love sports still. They have their sports. They have their cricket and and football, but you know, or, or rugby. But because they lack that same the the importance of uh, patriotism and being a part of the team isn't such a huge part of their culture. Then yeah, they don't make the movies about that. They make movies about other things. Yeah, and I I mean I think it's we don't we don't want to make too many generalizations about cultures where we just don't watch their films and that sort of stuff. But I just I, I don't, I don't have a lot of, uh, or I, I don't have any examples of uh, films in from Asia, films from Australia, films from Europe, films from South America that are sports movies, and I don't have a, a wide range of knowledge there, but I think that I would be able to name maybe one or two if it was a prominent genre. Sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I agree. And I, again, I'm um, fairly ignorant as to what other uh, countries are producing film-wise, let alone what their sports movies are like. So um, <laughs> I think I, I, I think you're right that we can't completely talk about it, but I think uh, my gut feeling is that it is not nearly as prominent in other parts of the world. Yeah, I mean, there's something about a movie like Space Jam that couldn't possibly be made outside of America. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I'm just going to let you finish that sentence. That's it. That's the end of that sentence. <laughs> there's, something about, yeah, there's something about Space no, Jam that means it couldn't be made outside of America. <laughs> I think there's a couple things about it. Um, uh yeah, that's a that's a wonderful thing. And but I do think uh, outside of just like North American culture that uh that's the the thing sports movies tap into is uh is the naturally competitive nature of human beings to win and and compare ourselves to others and be the best. And sports movies always take someone or not always, sorry, but uh sport movies take someone who is not the best and have them become the best and win, which taps into our want to be the best and to win. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think that that's definitely the case throughout all of sports movies. Everything from Slapshot to Goon to yeah, Hardball. Um, yeah, uh, well, Hardball is yes, definitely. It's about Keanu Reeves who goes to coach a bunch of underprivileged children and teaches them baseball. I I have a terrible confession. You've never seen it. I've never seen Hardball. Well, it's Keanu Reeves' Dangerous Minds. <laughs> I, it's just a strange sentence. <laughs> With baseball instead of uh, English class. <laughs> right. Sorry, I'm thinking Confessions of a Dangerous Mind with George Clooney. That's, that's it's not something that else altogether. No, it's Michelle Pfeiffer in Dangerous Minds when she goes and teaches English to a bunch of uh, kids in the ghetto. It's Keanu Reeves' version of that movie, but... With baseball. Right. Coach Carter is the same thing. Yeah. Or, you know, the one where Antonio Banderas goes and teaches ballroom dancing to a bunch of people. <laughs> You're right. He did do one of those movies. Okay. Anyway, that's a different genre. We'll talk about some other time. <laughs> um, but I do think it taps into our want to win. 
And that is why the ending of sports movies is that emotional because we either win or we lose and we get what we want or we don't. And it, it, it just taps into that natural human instinct to be the best. Hmm. I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't have anything on the surface to disagree with. I just, I, I'm still, I, I I'm still just mulling over the fact that it's really this genre that, that has that emotional impact so strongly that we don't see or that I don't experience in other films. And I'm just, I'm, I'm mulling it over because I, I don't know what to make of that. Hmm. Well. So, are sports movies improvisable? Oh, definitely. Most certainly 100%. I totally agree. I think it, it's... Uh... Um, for those of you who haven't listened to the podcast before, uh, Steve and I are both from Paper Street Theater Company. We do improvised theater. And one of the things we like to talk about is whether or not we could improvise this genre. And when it comes to sports movies, I think 100% we could improvise a sports movie. Uh, and the part that would have to definitely change is what sport is. Every show. Yeah. Different sports. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't even have to be sports. Yeah, they don't. Well, Pitch Perfect has proven they don't have to be sports. They can just be any activity, any group activity or activity where two people fight against each other. Uh, so, yeah, it could be. Um, let's, let's do some other things other than sports that we could do an improvised sports movie about. <laughs> we could do an improvised sports movie about baking. Baking. <laughs> Like a like a cook off, a cook off, yeah, like a chili cook off or something like that, yeah, or a hot dog eating competition, or a or chess, or chess, yeah, well, that'd be a good one, or an employee of the month competition <laughs> in a restaurant. <laughs> well, and and one one of the things that I've I've really enjoyed picking up on from sports movies is either the radio commentator or the uh, the game commentator who narrates basically the whole film, but sparsely. Yeah, it's great. It's a, such a wonderful tool. Yeah, and it, it allows them to go through, A, entire games without even showing the game necessarily. Yeah. Or or explaining the nuance of, of particular details about a sport that, I, I confess, I still don't understand football. Like, there's the, one of the key moments in Varsity Blues involves this, this long shot pass to the the giant overweight uh, defenseman, not defenseman. Yeah, uh, yeah. Are, they're they're not called defensemen though. They're called something else. Yeah, uh huh. Sure. Uh, I should know it. Wide, anyway, wide receiver, it, it, uh, linebacker. No, no, no. But the reason that it's important is because he's not a receiver. Uh, Apparently, not everyone can catch the ball in a football game. Yeah, some people are just big and there to stop to block people. No, but like there are certain people who you can't pass the ball to or it's an illegal play. What? Really? Yeah. I did not yeah. know that. And that blew my mind sitting there watching Varsity Blues because I wasn't understanding what was going on. And apparently there are eligible receivers that you determine at the line of scrimmage. And I don't know how you determine it. I don't know why everyone can't be an eligible receiver. It Like none of that makes any sense <laughs> to me. But... but because of because they have these sorts of outsider characters just feeding us little bits of narration, it it allows people who have no idea what's going on in a sport to understand some of what's going on in a sport. Yeah, and then the other thing they have that is nice for uh, skipping past games is the the classic like newspaper flashing on the screen. You know where it just shows yeah. the newspaper of like ducks take two in a row or something, even though it's little the pee wee hockey and there's news about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, or so or sometimes they do the montage of winning a series of games. Yeah, yeah, just show a bunch of the games. There's lots of lots of good tricks they use in sports movies. Well, and one of the other things to to go back to Pitch Perfect just for a second is that's a movie about the beauty of improvisation. Like, be, yeah, it, because DJing the way the way that she does DJing is is with these sorts of just oh I have this great idea for an insert and so she inserts it into the songs. Yeah, and then there's the sing-off, which is an entirely an improvised sing-off. It's called it's in, called a riff-off. My apologies, I've only seen it you once. You should watch it again; it's really good. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go see the sequel, but 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 it 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 really harnesses this kind of calling an audible aspect of uh, of improvisation that you see in a lot of sports movies as well, where they're like, no, we're gonna throw our plan out the window. Yeah, let's do this, and it's like, what are you crazy? 
that's never gonna work, you know. And then it always works. <laughs> yeah, and 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 so so there's there's a a way in which it naturally is already a genre that that is exploring some improvisational themes. Yeah, and you know, and it's it's a it's a wonderful uh, style to improvise in, just because of the fact that it is a team. Uh, oftentimes a team we could just do a team sport and have multiple characters playing all these different quirky characters and we all come together like it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful thing to stage i think the hardest part of doing a improvised sports movie would be the staging of the sports uh like how do you stage the uh the actual act of playing the sport because that is the part of a sports movie that gets you super emotional it is watching the the big bully guy take his slap shot and score you know, and and there's no words that need to be spoken. We all just get excited and cheer. Yeah, and I I don't think that with I mean, g- given that you could be doing anything, I don't I don't think that it's going to be um, entirely possible to every time show that stuff directly. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to be able to show the action, and so there's there's I think this is where you need those sort of announcer characters or something so that you can have the montages or the tableaus that that are the sport but what's happening is being told to the audience through the commentator who's saying you know oh my god look at him t-, you know going down the alley all by himself and you're not going to be able to show that on stage in a way that looks at all yeah without just doing everything in slow motion and like all of that kind of that we could do a lot of that and we probably will if we stage it. But like, uh, I think a lot of it would have to be commentator or people on the bench cheering or clapping, you know, uh, while they do the simple activity. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the other part that's great about the sports movie is that the B line is almost always just a love story. Always. Just a, yeah. just a simple love story that, which it, uh, man, I just, I love the main characters in pitch perfect. Like it's, it's continuing this trend of, uh, great movies with a female lead yeah. who is sassy, intelligent, and mm-hmm. uh, but you, like it, it's you e- are you about to tell me a. you're about to tell me you hate the guy? No, I actually don't hate. Okay, the guy. Okay, good because I liked him too. Uh, although I heard a lot of people didn't like him and thought he was really bland and terrible. Well, they're wrong. <laughs> they're wrong. Anyone would be happy to be in a relationship with that, you know. He's that so charming, guy. right? <laughs> <laughs> and he loves the breakfast club how can you not love someone who loves the breakfast club uh and then the other i mean and then the c line but I, I think it's still part of the b line is benji and the the guy who wants to be on the troublemakers right i've got the magic in me <laughs> and you know they have that same character in d2 yeah and uh, they have and the mighty ducks do they and the original is the bully he comes to watch the oh. games and he wants to be on the team. And then he ends yeah, up on the yeah. team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so so that, that's a common theme there too. Yeah, it's it's good, yeah. Um, oh, I just love sports movies. I could watch them all day. It's it's too bad there's not more of them on Netflix right now. It makes me sad. Well, c'est la vie. C'est la vie. Okay, so let's, uh, like, so in review, final thoughts on sports movies. One of the things is that defi- d- dividing the line between what we're calling a sports movie uh, or, or a traditional kind of golden fleece sports movie and, and the more institutionalized film. I think, I think that's important in, in the sense that like something like coach Carter is a sports movie that is really about one man attempting to get a school to pay attention to the intellectual needs of these kids and not just see them as athletes that can be, you know, churned through and then thrown away once they're done the basketball games. And and that story is interesting and it's it's fun to watch and it has sports elements in there, but I don't think that it it touches in the same way as something like Friday Night Lights where, you know, it's just this sports movie and these kids are just trying so hard to be the best at this thing and they they want it they're they're going to throw themselves into it and give it their all and they're going to win or they're going to lose but but we we get to we get to feel feel like they're they're achieving their best possible version of themselves mm. which is why it's so common for the coaches to have that speech right beforehand that says you know these next 48 minutes are going to stay with you for the next 48 years of your life mm-hmm. like it's 
the stakes are so high there. Whereas something like Coach Carter or even something like Remember the Titans, it's it's about enacting a change in the social setting around them. It's to usually with sports movies in this case to get over something like racial tensions. Yeah. And 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 those are good movies. I love Remember the Titans. I I, I think it's fantastic, but the the element that that brings me to care about the characters is missing because it's more about achieving social change than it is about these kids doing their best or these athletes doing their best. And so I think it's important to know what kind of story is being told there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think um, to me, one of the things, uh, uh, my takeaways from sports movies is that they are incredibly uh, touching and emotional because they are, their stories about teamwork and giving your best and giving 100% and trying super hard and, and winning, which are all these wonderful, like, like lessons, like, I mean, winning aside, but like, they're all wonderful lessons for life, like working together and, and believing in yourself and, and uh, not giving up and never quitting and all these wonderful, like, like uh, platitudes that we all love to hear. Uh, but they're also about the, an institution and uh, oftentimes an unfair system where there's this underdog team that is being uh, like, like put down for whatever reason from the, the whole institution itself. And so combine those two things, and it's not just about winning and, and being a good team player and being a great person, but it's also about fighting against the man and coming out on top against a lot. It's like there's just so many things that, that tap into our, our primal uh, 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 impulses that you can't not like a sports movie. I don't think I've watched ever watched a sports movie and at the end of it not been emotional uh, because of how that what what journey I just went through. Yeah. And and the journey is always so clear and win or lose. It's always so clear. Yeah. And like like even Happy Gilmore, a, a Adam Sandler comedy. <laughs> I get emotional at the end when he wins. <laughs> like, oh, how's that possible? How's that possible? <laughs> Well, I, I think you have a weird relationship with sports movies, <laughs> but but I do see where you're coming from. Uh, yeah. I do get it. How could you not be romantic about sports movies? Uh, how can you not be romantic about baseball, man? Like, it's so true. And it's just this, this uh, it's like, <laughs> this is a strange comparison. It's like those stupid reality TV shows uh, where people are competing with each other. For whatever reason, whether it's America's Next Top Model or like uh, who can the biggest loser. the biggest loser or who can pack things in their house the best, like whatever the stupid reality TV show's about, uh, if you watch the first five minutes of it, you want to watch the whole thing. You know, they're so hard to turn off, even though you know it's terrible and trashy, but you want to see how it ends. And sports movies, to me, if you watch the first five ten minutes of that movie. Uh, you want to watch it all the way through. And at the end, no matter what, you're happy or sad. Well, and, and I, I mean, I, I, you, you're right. It is a weird comparison, but I think you're right to point to the connection to the rise of reality television because reality television hits a lot of those same sorts of beats where you're seeing a person just try their very best. Yeah. And, and you, there's something there's something about the earnest nature of someone who's just giving giving it their all, whether whether they're singing on American Idol, whether they're trying to lose weight at fat camp in The Biggest Loser, or whether they're they're cooking their heart out in Iron Chef. There's something about that where it it connects to us as human beings because we know what that experience is like. We all have an experience of trying to do something our best. Yeah. And often failing. And that's, that's I think, part of it. When we see people succeed yeah, at the thing that they wanted to succeed at. Yeah. Mm. And we, we, the, the thing is that, for the most part, we don't get to have that experience in our lives. Most of us go throughout our lives without ever having the great success. Like, we, we'll, we'll have minor successes along the way, but, like, we're never going to have an experience, like, uh, at the end of uh, Varsity Blues, where... We're gonna we're gonna throw the winning touchdown, and the team rallies around us, and the city rallies around us. Yeah, like we're never gonna be a hero to that sense, and so we get to live vicariously through the heroes in these movies. Yeah, which is, uh, and the funny thing is that I have had that experience. Uh, 
when I was in high school on the Canadian Improv Games team. See, and and this is the funny thing for 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 those of us that have kind of comparable experiences. We can I think almost identify more with with those characters where we can We've, we can we see, have felt oh, yeah. we have felt those similar experiences before, and so watching it just brings it all back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I think uh, the difference is that it, between like a sports movie and like people uh, in like reality TV shows and like uh, The Biggest Loser or Iron Chef is that sports is something that we have all agreed as a culture, as a society, it is okay to get incredibly fanatic and passionate about sports. Uh, so we can make movies about sports that don't seem ridiculous about how much these people care and how hard they're trying. But as soon as it's something that we haven't all agreed upon, like uh, losing weight um, <laughs> as being something you can be really passionate and excited for, or um, packing your house, is that what Storage Wars, is that what that's about? <laughs> Um, no, no, it's not. It's not even remotely what storage wars. I don't know, but if it's if it's about something that is not agreed upon as a something you're allowed to be passionate about, um, it becomes <laughs> it becomes weird, and and we laugh. Sorry, at it. I, I thought I muted myself, but I didn't. That's okay. Um, uh, so if it's about something like that 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 we haven't agreed upon as being um, something we're allowed to be fanatic for. Uh, it becomes ridiculous and we laugh at it. So we watch reality TV shows a lot of the time to kind of like like with this more pitiful look at the people uh, as opposed to sports movies with this like like awestruck look at these people. Um, and uh, and I lost my train of thought there because you were laughing so hard. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I tried to mute myself and I didn't. I just, I love the idea of a television show <laughs> that is, that is competitive packing. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's a great, like it's, you know, Tetris, the television show. Like it's, it's a, it's a great idea. No, Storage Wars is about people <laughs> who buy storage lockers. Oh, yeah, that's and right. And try that's and right. resell what's That's right. Them. I have seen it. But still, that is something that we would consider ridiculous, you know, and so we laugh at it. Um, as opposed yeah. to a sports movie where we, we agree that it's okay to really want to be a good athlete. And you, we really, it's totally acceptable in our society to be good at hitting a ball with a stick. You know, like spending your whole life trying to hit a little ball with a big stick is like acceptable even though it's still kind of ridiculous uh, which is the thing that makes pitch perfect such a great movie to bring it back to pitch perfect is that it's about acapella singing which is a ridiculous thing that you're not supposed to be passionate about and yet they accept that fact and comment on it throughout the movie and sort of lightheartedly make fun of themselves in in Pitch Perfect, it's never about oh well now we're all gonna go have careers as acapella singers, right? Yeah. Like the main character wants to be a DJ. Her love interest wants to do the uh, the soundtracks for movies, um, and they they even play with that. When halfway through the movie, we see the older generation of acapella winners, and they're just kind of sad when you see them out there singing because they haven't they haven't moved on from the experience. Yeah, exactly. And and so they they play with that and invert that really well in that movie, which is one of the things that that it does so so expertly is that it both plays straight the genre but subverts it every opportunity that it gets. Yeah, and even little lines like "I love you, awesome nerds," or uh, "Nerd alert, nerd alert." All right, guys, let's match pitch, and then they match pitch. You know, like like pointing out that these characters that we're following are still the nerdiest people at the school. You know, yeah, like the troublemakers, they're the coolest people on campus. If you ignore jocks and other cool people, <laughs> I think is how they're introduced. Uh, and he's, yeah, the, the, the troublemakers frontman is releasing his own brand of sports sandals. <laughs> but, but see, th this is the thing your, your comment about reality t TV shows is really interesting for me because the way that people watch American Idol or You've Got Talent. Who's got talent? Yep. You've got talent. America's got talent. That's what it's yeah. called. Um, the way that they watch it is very similar to the way that I will say watch the Vancouver Canucks in that they get attached to particular characters and they they invest themselves in their success. And, and so, you know, in a way that I can't with the Canucks, like I can't text 
and and the Canucks will score more goals. But people can vote for the people that they like more. And I would guess that one of the reasons that we see these sorts of shows taking off is because they're far more accessible than sports. Like, I'm not going to pretend that that I understand all of the nuances of hockey, but when I first started watching it, the rules of it were were nuts. Offside just drove me crazy forever. Football, I still never understand. <laughs> and And so there's a way in which when you're just standing watching someone sing, the subjective experience of it is all that you need in order to judge whether they're good or bad. Yeah, true. And so it, it allows you to have that same sort of feeling of a of a sports good feeling without needing the expert knowledge of baseball. Yeah, you it's it's uh, there's a lower barrier to entry in joining the tribe, so to speak. In hockey to join the tribe of the Canucks. You first need to understand how to play hockey and then you need to learn all of who all these Canucks are. And have your favorite players and which one you love and what what your favorite line is and know all the cheers and all that sort of stuff. Whereas something like America's Got Talent, you just have to watch someone and like them and then say, I am a huge fan of that guy. I'm on team team uh whatever her name was, Kelly Clarkson, Team Clarkson or whatever. Like uh and you just throw in with that person <clears throat> just because you like their magic trick or you like their dance. Yeah. And and we we get the same sorts of inspirational speeches and villains that we do in the uh, the judges, right? Mm-hmm. Like Simon Cowell has made a career out of being a villain, yeah. and 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 really expertly, despite the fact that you know it it's kind of silly, but he is a fantastic villain on on that that singing show, and and so it, it it's interesting how actually many parallels there are between these, huh? I would not have expected it, but that's a good catch on your part. Thank you very much. I have my moments. Um, so uh, this brings us to, I think, the end of our uh, our sport of podcasting. And uh, how'd you feel? Good. I feel great. I feel great. I thought it, I thought it was a I, a lot of fun. Actually, I did not expect to talk about reality TV shows, and I did not expect to talk as much about Pitch Perfect. Okay, maybe I expected to talk about Pitch Perfect, <laughs> but the reality TV shows surprised me. After watching Pitch Perfect, I half expected the entire podcast to be about Pitch Perfect because <laughs> I'm I'm Dixie Chick serious about that movie now. It's it's so good. Um, yeah, I maybe watch it once a week okay so uh that brings us to the end even though we had our final and then, you, like that we, and then you weep you weep into your cheerios every morning uh, watching Pitch every Perfect. time man i'm proud of you becca gets me every time um but that brings us to <laughs> brings us to the end of the podcast and uh which is funny that we had our final thoughts about 20 minutes ago so um thanks for <laughs> staying tuned for this post show of the style guide and uh we will see you next week see you next week love you man